Happy Easter. Um, can you think of a moment in your life when everything changed? Does it, what pops right into your head? I think a moment when everything changed. Sometimes for the bad, sometimes for the good. I, I have a very distinct moment comes right into my head. It's July the 7th, about 2 in the morning. And um, I'm laying in bed and uh, completely asleep, and all of a sudden I hear this cat. And it's like this. Just like that. It was just like that. I only practiced it three times. So I wake up with a start, and the first thing I think is, why is the cat making that noise? And then the second thing I think is, we don't have a cat. And then I realized that's a baby. That's my baby. That's our baby. That was three days after July the 4th, 1990, when Sarah was born. That changed everything. You know, I woke up in the middle of the night, and, I'm, and I love Sarah. She's here. She was singing. She's awesome. But I just remember waking up and thinking, this is every day for the rest of my life. <laughs> like, literally, this changes everything. <laughs> Today, we celebrate an event. We celebrate a reality that changes everything. Because Jesus has risen, it changes everything. It's, it's the central tenet of our faith. Everything before and after looks at the cross and the resurrection as the central point of history. So I just want to pray for us, and then what we're going to do is we're just going to read through John chapter 20, the whole chapter. So if you have a Bible or a device, open it up. If you need a Bible, there are a couple on, this, on the speakers. Um, this, the scripture won't be on either screen, so uh, I want you to be in it. So either open the Bible or a, um, or a device or just listen as I read. Let's pray. God, would you um, help us enter in to the day of resurrection one more time? God, would you help us to see and to hear what you did? Would you help us to ask the right questions and to hear your answers and to answer you in a worthy manner? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to read through John 20, sort of a section at a time, and we'll ask some questions, and I'll put some questions to you. This is John chapter 20, starting in verse 1. I'm reading from the uh, NIV. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. <laughs> John gets his thing in there. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter. It's in the Bible. And reached the tomb first. He bent over and he looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Why did the disciples jump and run? Why, why did they scurry so quickly? Because if this is true, if Jesus is gone or raised, it changes everything for them. 
I mean, they thought they had it figured out how Jesus was going to come and be the Messiah and lead, you know, into victory. And then he's done. He's gone. He's dead. But if now the body is gone, there's hope. It could change everything. So John sees the empty tomb, and he believes right away. And Peter, the one of the great faith, right, he sees the empty tomb, and he wonders. Because as humans, you know, we have different reactions to strange and wonderful possibilities. Some of us here this morning are in those two categories. Some of us see the cross and the flowers and, you know, hear Easter morning, and we believe, and we're in there. And we're after Jesus, and we're like, glory to Jesus. All hail King Jesus. And some of us, maybe even some of us who are followers of Jesus, look at the cross, hear about the resurrection, and just wonder. And I think in this case, both are appropriate places to be. If you're in belief, yes. If you're in wonder, yes. God seems to be able to handle both of them. Peter says, what could this mean? And the question for us is, what could it mean for us? If, if this is true, if Jesus has raised from the dead, if he was God incarnate and beat death, what does that mean for us? Moving on, John chapter 20, verse 11 to 18. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I've seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. It, it, it never actually says that Mary's clinging to Jesus, but the image is clear. He's like, don't hold on to me. She must have just grabbed him. Why is Mary clinging to Jesus? Because she saw this heavenly being beaten by human beings. Because she saw the one that she trusted betrayed. Because she saw the one that, that she loved mocked. She saw the one who, it, it tells us in the scripture, had delivered her from demons. Seven demons, demonic oppression in her life. If you've seen any part of The Chosen, there's some powerful scenes. There. They're not all perfectly biblical, but man, to see the power of God moving through a person to expel demonic oppression. She saw the one who seemed to make a meaning of life processed into what seemed like a senseless death. She watched it happen. She saw hope extinguished. So why is she clinging to Jesus? I mean, and honestly, the question is, how could she know Jesus and then see Jesus and then not know who it was? Because it seems like even in Mary, the faithful, there was no place in her heart that could imagine this reality. I don't know. It doesn't tell us why. Just, he, you know, she thinks he's the gardener. 
Until when? Until he says her name. Until she hears the voice and, he, and she's turned the other way and, and he says, Mary. Like he must have at some point said her name, but, you know, before she was being, uh, ex, uh, demons being expelled. So she knows the voice of the Lord who created her calling her own name and she clings to him because hope is alive because for Mary, this changes everything. Hope is restored. Can you believe that this morning? That's, that's an invitation for us. Wherever we are with Jesus in our, in our walk, journey to Jesus or with Jesus, however that is in our own faith, can you believe today that hope is restored, that there's an opportunity for hope? The reality is this morning, not just in this church in Indianapolis, but in churches all over the world and in nations all over the world, God's calling people's names. And there are some here this morning, you, you, you know, God's calling your name. He's just calling your name. And he wants you to recognize him. He wants, he, he, wants him, he wants you to see who he is for who he is. The one who created you wants to know you and call you by name. Um, this seems illegal on Easter, but if you think about this from the devil's perspective, just for a minute. This is not something we normally do. The devil's been tempting God's people for millennia. He, he's got people bound to fail in the flesh because they don't have the power of God. If, if, they're, if they're trying to get to God on their own uh, goodness, there's not enough of it in any person. Satan's waging a war, and it looks like maybe he's going to win. He thinks he deals the death blow, right, at the cross. It's like you could maybe hear Satan saying, checkmate. There's no way out of this one for the people of God. Jesus is mocked, he's accused, he's condemned, he's pitied. The hope for humanity is extinguished. You remember in, uh, if you've read in Luke 24, there are these two disciples, and they're on the road to Emmaus, and it's, uh, it's, it's Sunday, it's Easter Sunday, but they don't know that Jesus has risen. And so they're on the way, and Jesus comes up, and once again, they don't know who he is, and they start a conversation. And these two disciples say, you know, here's their hopelessness. But we had hoped he would be the one that would redeem Israel. They'd set all their hopes on this person, this Jesus, this preacher, teacher, miracle worker. And they thought, he's the one. And then he died. Nowhere in the scripture could they find or remember the Messiah dies. Until what? Until Jesus, they're having a meal, and Jesus prays, and he breaks the bread, and he gives them the bread. And, then, and it says, and, and he is revealed to them. They realize this is Jesus. And once again, everything changes. Their, their direction changes. They storm back to tell everyone, we've seen the risen Lord. This changes everything. Because their hopelessness turns to hope. They see the risen Christ. If Jesus is risen, that means that hope for humanity lives. That's not just, you know, a nice cliché. We actually live in the hope of Jesus, and we carry it into the world. Merlin's got a great shirt that says, Hope Dealer. I love that one. If you want, if you want to get one, the, the guy in orange right there. Which means to me that any hopeless situation that we might find ourselves in, right? And, and they, they pop into your mind. Any hopeless situation you see in your own life or you see in the world, you see out there in your neighborhood, you see in your workplace, it means there's hope for that hopeless situation because Jesus is alive. 
If he can beat death, he can bring hope. For the devil, this changes everything. Because if Jesus is alive, then heaven has invaded earth. If Jesus is alive, then sins are not just forgiven, but power to live righteously is given. If Jesus is alive, then the disciples and we have access to that power, which means we can give, like our mission statement says, we can give the love and the power away to the world. If Jesus is alive, here's the bad one for the devil, doubters become doers. Well, thank you. If Jesus is alive, doubters become doers. Even for God, if you think about it, even for God, the resurrection changes everything. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. Paul's writing and he says this, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. The resurrection means we're not just forgiven. It's not just that our sins aren't counted against us anymore. It's not just that God looks at us and says, well, i got to keep my hands off because you're forgiven, but man, I'm ticked off. It means we're reconciled. It means we become friends with God. It, it, it means we walk now with God. You know, if you've ever been in a relationship that was broken and, and you, you get to the point where you realize, okay, I can forgive you. I'm not going to look at anyone here, but <laughs> I can forgive you, but it doesn't mean I want to be a friend with you anymore. That's not the cross and the resurrection. The cross and the resurrection is I forgive you, I look at you, and you are clean, and I want to be with you. I want to be your friend. I want to walk with you. I want to empower you. I, I'm, I'm okay if you even use my name. You're a child. If Jesus has been raised, then we're friends of God. Death's power is broken. Now, death is still fatal, but it's not final. And it also means that we can have an eternal kind of life now. Sometimes we hear a message maybe on Easter. It's the gospel presentation, and, and all of this is just for eternal life. Well, Jesus didn't just die and, and, and raise from the dead only to take us to heaven. He wants to give us an eternal kind of life right now. He literally wants to walk with us. That's the invitation. John chapter 20, 19 to 23. On the evening of that first day of the week, when his disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord again. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. How can Jesus come to the distraught disciples and say, peace? Where does, where does he get off? <laughs> Coming to the disciples who had scattered locked in fear, and then say, peace. Especially since, according to the Bible, it looks like he went right through the wall. Because it says the door's locked, and then he was among them, you know? So it's like scares the heck out of them, and then says, peace. <laughs> it's a typical Jesus move. He can do that because he's risen, because he's beaten death, because wh whatever is an enemy of peace, he beat. 
in, in the Second Corinthians, it says that um, he himself is our peace. Jesus is our peace. So he can come up and he can say, peace to you, but what he's really saying is, I'm now with you, and you can be with me. Real peace is available because Jesus is alive. The peace that they would have heard, I think Jesus would have come and said, shalom. Shalom is more than just, hey, you two stop fighting. Or, hey, John, stop one up in Peter, you know, making him look bad. Shalom is complete security. Shalom is perfect integrity. Shalom is healing. It's provision. Shalom is wholeness. So Jesus doesn't just come up and say, don't be afraid. Jesus comes up to them and says, you can be whole now. Can you imagine what that sounded like for Peter? Especially Peter. I mean, if you know the story, things did not go well for Peter on Good Friday or Thursday, right? It was, Peter not only um, denied knowing, following Jesus or believing in Jesus, Peter denied even knowing Jesus and did it with a curse, I mean, I look at that and I think Peter's failure was complete. But if Jesus is alive, it changes everything. You don't have to raise your hands. We won't be interviewing afterwards, but have you ever experienced complete failure? I think I have. I mean, it certainly feels like I look back at a couple times in my life and I think that was complete failure. You ever experienced that? Maybe that's what Peter was feeling. Complete failure. And Jesus comes and says, peace. Jesus, in a way, experienced complete failure. I mean, is there any worse failure than death? <laughs> like you couldn't even breathe anymore. That's complete failure. But if Jesus defeated death, what that means is there's no final failure in life. There is no final failure. We can't find the end in failure in our lives. Easter means no failure is final. Easter means there's hope. Now, I don't want to give false hope. I can't tell you that um, Easter means God's just going to change everything in your life and everything will be grand. You'll never have another problem. Didn't work out that way for the disciples. But Easter means with God, no failure is final. God will eventually redeem all things. How could these disciples, and I'm going to be kind to them here, but just looking through the Bible, relatively slow, doubting, presumptuous, often self-seeking, how could these disciples take the message of Jesus to the nations? With so much power, authority, and courage that 11 out of 12 died martyrs' deaths. How could they do that? Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. So because Jesus is alive, he can commission the disciples. Jesus can send his disciples into the world with a power that's not their own. So they're no longer dependent upon their own power, their own wits, their own good ideas, their own strategies. They're now utterly dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. And he sends them into the world, and he changes the world through them. This will sound sad, but I was in Walmart yesterday. I don't have anything against Walmart, okay? It's not my favorite place on a Saturday. Um, and I walk into Walmart, and the first, I, I needed two things. I needed cream cheese and shoelaces. <laughs> Those are not important to the story, but I just, you know, trying to give you the picture. Walmart is eight miles wide. I only needed cream cheese and shoelaces. 
Anyway, I took a circuitous route to try to find both of these things. What I noticed as I was walking through Walmart is the nations were there. I mean, that's what I saw, and that's what I heard. I heard languages. I'm pretty good at identifying languages. It's a, it's a fun thing for me. I don't know them all, but I can usually pick up, oh, that's this, that's this. No. I heard languages. I didn't know what they were. I saw outfits I'd never seen before. I saw all manner of people. I mean, I, I saw the wealthy. I saw the poor. I saw the lonely. I saw the aching. I saw the, the, the handicapped, the mentally ill. I saw, I saw everyone at Walmart. And the thing that I realized once I could put, a, put aside how hard it was to find the shoelaces <laughs> is what I really saw is sadness. I saw a lot of sadness. I could feel it. You know, you walk into a place and you kind of just take on the whatever. I just felt this overwhelming sadness. Watching people interact with each other. I just felt despair. And I thought to myself, I think Jesus, just there in me, feeling the same thing, said, these people need hope. And I, could, I could remember the scripture where Jesus says, you know, I purchased with my blood from every people, from every tribe and tongue and nation. And I could just feel the heart of God going through the Walmart aisles, recognizing these people need the love and the power of God. And a couple hours later in my own life, I realized, guess what? I need the love and the power of God. I need it every single day, as do you. Because Jesus is live, we, we have the love and power of God available in our lives, and we can give it away, even at Walmart. Because he's alive, the gift of God's power is extended to you. Because Jesus is raised from the dead, literally nothing is impossible. If you run through your life with me for a moment, and I don't know you all, but I know a lot. Think about the loss of a loved one or a marriage or employment or the fear of unemployment or the ache of loneliness, the burden of debt, the sort of uncertainty of life in a, in a world that seems kind of whacked right now, all around us, certainly all around the, the, the world. If Jesus is alive, it changes everything. It means we get to look at these issues in our life from a different frame of reference. And Colossians 3 actually says we are seated in heavenly places with Christ. If you've put your, your faith in Jesus, we live from a different place. It doesn't mean we don't go through difficulty, but it means we go through difficulty with God and not alone. And with a different perspective, a different orientation towards the world. Because power is now available. Because death has been defeated. Darkness is taken over by light. Heaven's perspective is now available to earth dwellers. We can actually think like God thinks. It means that no struggle in our lives is predominant. And it also means that no other ruler or ungodly person or institution is preeminent. Because Jesus is alive means no tragedy can tear us from his love. No pain is permanent, and no failure is final. John 20, 24 to 28. Now Thomas, gotta love Thomas, right? Redemption for us all. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands 
and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and God. What does the resurrection of Jesus do to doubt? For Thomas, it changes everything. For Thomas, it turns Jesus from an inspiring leader into the Lord of the universe. From a good teacher that had, they had a pretty good gig going with for a while to all of a sudden a God who he's willing to die for as Savior of the world. Thomas's next words, right after he touches and sees my Lord and my God. So doubt gets eclipsed by faith because Jesus is alive and it changed everything. I think it also means that Jesus can handle doubters. I think it also means that Jesus can handle um, some of us who just say, but I need to see, but I want to know. And I think it means that we can ask Jesus to reveal himself to us. I think it's okay for us Christian, non-Christian, seeker, wherever you are, to say, Jesus, I want you to show yourself to me. I want to know. How many of us have prayed that prayer? God, if you're real, dot, dot, dot. I, I think it's an okay prayer. I can't tell you how it's going to go. I can't tell you how God will reveal himself to you, but I know Jesus wants to hear that prayer. Show yourself to me. Reveal yourself to me. I want to believe. Some of us this morning are in that place of doubt and we just needed Jesus to show himself to us. So just if you think for a moment, where in your life would you, could you honestly utter the prayer to Jesus? Would you show yourself here? I loved what Adam said last week when he talked about that, um, the word Hosanna, save us, doesn't just mean, uh, doesn't mean rip me out of this horrible situation. It means be here with me. It's a completely different perspective. I love Jesus to just rip us out of hard situations, but Jesus wants to be with us in the midst of them. Jesus, show yourself to me. Where are you here in this mess that seems to be going on around me or within me? And so the cry of the ancient church on Easter morning, Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. It's the central tenet of our faith. It's our redemption and our joy secured. Because he's risen and it changes everything. Probably there are some here this morning who are seeking or clinging or doubting or wondering or fearful. And if Jesus is alive, what it means is that eternal life, not just life after death, but an eternal kind of life, life with power from God is available to us. If Jesus was born again from the dead, we can be born again with new life. If he triumphed over death, he can certainly give us victory and life. Paul actually says in 2 Corinthians, those who have received this gift of righteousness through the cross and the resurrection, he actually says we reign in life. That's the word he uses, like we rule because of Jesus. If Jesus is alive, then there's a real and life-altering decision that needs to be made. Will I place my hands 
my life into his resurrected hands? Will I place my hands into, the, into this God-man who could beat death and did it on my behalf? Last verses of John 20, 29 to 31. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The end of this account of Easter, John says, here's why I've written all this, so that you might believe, so you might know that this Jesus is the anointed one, the one sent from God, the one uh, um, determined before the foundations of the earth that he would die for the sins of men and women and rise from the dead on the third day to bring redemption to the disappointments and the failures and the doubts of our life. And that believing we would have life in his name. John 10, uh, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. It's the good shepherd stuff and all, all this stuff. And he says, the, the thief, you know, the enemy, Satan, comes to steal and to kill and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and might have it abundantly. Because the heart of Jesus is not just keeping us breathing. It's flooding us with his love and power. It's life abundant. This one decision, to believe or not to believe, can change everything. Because God's love was made real on the cross, and God's power was made manifest in the resurrection. For our entire lives, the God who created us has been pursuing us, has wanted a relationship with us. Every single one of us, he wants a relationship with us. God invites us into a relationship with him, through Jesus. God says to each person, you, you were created in my image. You're made to bear my image. I actually want to put my love and my power in you, and I want you to go out into the world and show them what Jesus looks like through your life. If you want to have that relationship with God, to encounter his love and his power in your life, the only thing required of us is faith. Faith expressed in prayer, simply saying to God, here's where I am, and I need you. And I would guess there are lots of people here this morning who have a relationship with Jesus. You're Christians. You've been following him for a long time. And yet there's a sense in which you find yourself wondering, doubting, seeking, fearing, clinging. And maybe you need a minute just to come back again and say, Jesus, I really want your life to flow through me. And I'm also guessing there are people here this morning who've never given their lives to Christ. They don't know what it means to have a relationship with God. You, you, you hear about it, but you don't know, how do I get into a relationship with God? For you, I want to invite you into, the, into a relationship with the risen Christ. And I'm going to pray so you can bow your heads. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray a prayer that would give us the opportunity to to place our lives in the hands of the resurrected Christ. If that's your desire this morning to know God personally, then just in the quiet of your own heart, you can pray this. God, I've taken control of my life and I've made a mess of it. And I lack the power to manage it. 
I long for love that I can't find. I need you. God, I need your power, and I need your compassion. So this day I declare my belief that Jesus was God in flesh. God, I believe you sent him to die on a cross to bring me back to you. And I believe that he rose again from the dead. In faith this morning, I claim his death as the payment for my sin. Father, forgive me. Jesus, come into my life. Holy Spirit, come and take residence in me. And I thank you now for receiving me as one of your children for reconciliation, for life change, and for the gift of eternal life. Amen. A prayer like that is a life-changing event. It, it changes your, your orientation. If you just prayed that prayer, you, you literally, I'm just going to tell you what happened. You've just been transferred from a, a kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved son. That's real. That's, that's, that's life-altering. There's a new, a new spirit within you, and it's the Holy Spirit. Um, if, that, if you did just pray that prayer, I would love to talk to you after the service or contact me or any of the pastors anytime. We're actually doing a baptism at the end of, the, of April, April the 30th. So if you just prayed that prayer or if you've recently given your life to Christ or you're a Christian but you've never been baptized, uh, we will do a class on baptism uh, this coming Sunday, the 16th, uh, in the conference room. I'll be leading that. And then uh, two weeks after that on April 30th, we'll get the beautiful Rubbermaid tub right out here. And um, we will declare uh, our faith in Jesus and celebrate new life. Let's stand. I want to end this morning in uh, a liturgy. It's a, a liturgy from the Anglican Church in Kenya. I first heard this years ago, and I was just so uh, gripped by it, but it takes a little explaining for us non-liturgical types. And you all have to have the gift of prophecy to know what to say, so <laughs> I'm going to explain. Uh, this is how they end their Easter service in the Anglican Church in Kenya. The, the officiant, that's me, even though I don't have a collar on, says all of our problems. And then the crowd, with a wave of the hand towards the cross, get this, a wave of the hand toward the cross, all right, we send to the cross of Christ. All our difficulties, we send to the cross of Christ. All the devil's works, we send to the cross of Christ. And then at the end, I'll say, all our hopes, we set on the risen Christ. So this is the way I want to end today. I want to do it boldly. Then uh, we'll have some ministry team members on the side. If, if you need to, if you're longing to encounter the risen Christ today, you need his love, you need his power, you need prayer for something specific, we'll have people to pray. We'll keep this uh, open in case people just want to look at the, the, the beautiful now cross. Okay. All of our problems, all of our difficulties, 
How about all of our fears? All the devil's works. And all our hopes we set on the risen Christ. Amen. And now may the God of peace, who brought through the blood of the eternal covenant, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. We could have some ministry team members over here and a few over there. You're welcome to come for prayer welcome to stay in the sanctuary, take pictures by the cross. Uh, Happy Easter. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.